0: we're in episode 18 of Glass City Game Time, and according to our technical producer Phil Kaplan, it's going to be a quick one, because he's going on a James Bond-themed ski trip into some mountain that we've never heard of that might explode at the end of the movie.
1: I can't say anything more right now. That's exactly <laughs> what a secret agent would say. That's what I'd like you to think. <laughs> Phil, we wish you safe trips. Thank you, man. You, I think you only say break a leg before somebody goes on stage. So if I'm actually like, I would have a chance to break a leg, I think you would say, um, I hope you get laryngitis. Goodness. Is that what you, because that would be the opposite. Because you're, if you're going on stage, you don't have a really a chance to break a leg, right?
0: Depends on what you're going on stage for.
1: A soliloquy. Okay. I'm a soliloquy guy.
0: You're going out for your final vignette before the big show That's next right. week.
1: That's right. And so I can get out there and enjoy the snow. Let's talk some sports.
0: Let's talk some <laughs> sports indeed. And let's do it with... Blade Sports columnist David Briggs.
2: Hello, hello.
0: And Blade Sports writer Brian Bucky. Hi, hey, Corey. Brian and David have joined us because spring has sprung. Baseball is back with a capital B. I, this is like where I thrive. This is where, like, you've, you've seen like, like Hot Girl Summer came out as a hashtag last year. This is like prime Corey season right now because baseball gloves are popping, mitts are cracking. The bats are breaking. I love it.
1: People are throwing heat at anybody on the Astros.
2: (laughs) Jose Alcube is getting hit by pitches.
0: I could do a whole show on just like all the savagery around the Houston Astros. We might do some of that later, but for now, let's talk about the things that are pertinent to those in the Toledo, Ohio area, which we are recording from downtown Toledo in the Blade Building. The Indians and Tigers are back in camp. Opening day is exactly one month away from today's recording date opening day March 26th and storylines circulating both the Indians and the Tigers and obviously the Toledo Mudhens as well. Look at the Indians and I feel like the elephants in the room have been addressed all off season Dave and whether you want to take the angle of the Indians are having bad luck already with two starting pitchers going down one albeit in Carlos Carrasco a day-to-day type thing but Mike Clevenger expected to miss the start of the regular season and until he either resigns or leaves, the name Francisco Lindor is going to be thrown around.
3: Yeah, it's kind of crazy because I mean, this is a team you know with a a great core of stars, probably a ninety ninety five win core if they just put the the right pieces around them. And and the you know the crux of the situation starts with Francisco Lindor. You know, kind of a generational star for them at, at shortstop. For my money, one of the top five players in the game, the guy you want as your long term face of the franchise you know he signed through 2021 so the question is do you trade him and get a huge haul of prospects and signal that you're going all in on the rebuild or do you sign him or that's not going to happen or do you do what you can you embrace these last 2 years you've got a generational star again do you try to surround him with more than just spare parts and unfortunately the Indians are at this fork in the road And they're not doing anything. They're not taking the fork. Yogi Berra said, "When you get to a fork in the road, take the fork or take it." And they're not doing anything. They're going straight. It makes no sense. So they're cutting the payroll down to about ninety-four million this year. Um, If you would just, you know, just get a couple bats in the outfield, maybe, and maybe one more arm in the bullpen. And if you just, it, it just, it just makes no sense to me when you're you're wasting. When you're wasting this superstar, what are are you doing here? I mean, they're probably going to win 80 to 90 games and not make the playoffs um, without any more moves. What's the point of doing that? If you're going to do that, just rebuild. And if you want to embrace it, then spend some money to support them. I I just, what do you guys think?
0: I think that it's twofold. It's, you use the analogy of the fork in the road. I say that the Indians and the front office, you know, Chernoff, Antonetti, whoever, Dolan, you want to put the name out there, they're currently shin deep in the ocean. You want to get in the ocean to feel the ocean and to, and to cool down from a hot day, but you don't want to go diving headfirst into it and truly get soaked in, and that would be the metaphor for the Indians buying into the superstardom of Francisco Lindor, and for the fact of that matter, Jose Ramirez. The The contrary to that is completely going out of the water, drying off completely, which would be the rebuild. And it's clear that the Indians organization is trying to get the best of both worlds somehow in all of this by... Ushering in, we saw last year the pitching prospects, and with with Shane Bieber and Aaron Savale, it was kind of a deal where they had to bring them up anyway. So now this is where you really would have start to see, and, and Zach, Plezak for that matter, you would have start to see those guys this year, but an expedited process at that. So we know that those three guys are working well. Obviously, Shane Bieber, one of the top pitchers in the American League, and Brian, if you're the Indians, sink or swim. Or just completely pull out of the entire situation and start the rebuild, make fans happy one way or another because it seems like fans, regardless right now, are just totally restless.
2: Yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of you know go one way and commit to it and and you know see what you can do, whether it's rebuild or kind of like like Dave was mentioning, built some pieces that, you know around you know Lindor. You mentioned the young core of pitching that they have. Obviously, they've been hurt by some injuries with you know Clevenger and and Carrasco so far, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what 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 they do and, and um, you know right now it's it's not much, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it p- kind of plays out. And beyond Lindor, the thing that's frustrating is like you said, you know Jose Ramirez. He he,
3: he obviously started incredibly slow last year, but had an MVP caliber second half kind of return to old form when you have those two cornerstone position players and then the top end of the rotation with with Clevenger and and Bieber as as crazy as to say that's probably as good as as any two in baseball or or close to it I mean those guys if if they continue to uh pitch like they have but this is the most top heavy team in baseball and I don't think it's really close I mean you've got you've got five of the top maybe I don't know, 50 or 60 players in baseball, and then it's just this huge drop-off, and that's what makes no sense. And I think fans just, and we're getting into another, down a rabbit hole here, but I don't think anybody believes the claim that they're losing money. Mm-hmm. And even if they were, there are ways to be creative. You know, maybe you go all in now, and then once Lindor leaves, then you then you have a little buffer room and you lower the payroll. People would understand that. But once, when you have this core stars, you just got to go for it.
0: I understand that teams like the Dodgers, for example, that have basically everything, meaning prospects, money, and star players already on the big league roster, I understand that they can kind of get a little more reckless with things and really not lose the entire city. But if you're the Indians, you have the top TV ratings of baseball. To your point about them losing money, they're not losing money. They have the top TV ratings of baseball. They have one of the biggest draw players in the entire league in in Lindor, yeah. not just talking about talent, draw players. People want to see Francisco Lindor play. Yeah. People want to see Mike Trout play. People want to see Nolan Arenado play. Baseball aficionados want to pound see. Pound
1: for pound, Frankie Lindor has a better smile than Mike Trout, though. I just want to he add does. that oh, in as a yeah. quantifiable wow, statistic.
2: He does. <laughs> better hair, too, right? Yeah,
1: totally better hair than <laughs> yeah, Mike you know, Trout. No do hair this year, huh? <laughs> No better hair than Jose <laughs> Ramirez, though. <laughs>
2: cheeto
0: hair or whatever whatever color he's going this year the flaming hot cheetos (laughs) and to the
3: counterpoint of people wanting to blame the fans for this you know with the attendance issues yeah they've had attendance issues but like you said they have the top local ratings in baseball and on average, I mean, they're they're getting actually the total viewership is close to teams like the Red Sox. It's bigger than the Cardinals. And that's total. That's, that's kind of transcending just the market size. So if they're losing money, that's their fault for negotiating a bad TV deal. The huge money these days is in the regional TV contracts. And maybe they had bad timing and, and signed the deal before, uh, before it exploded. But if they're losing money, that's just because they're bad businessmen. I just don't buy it.
0: And I think that we're looking at Roberto Perez as a potential superstar. He's a great defensive catcher. Maybe the offense could come around, but it's not like they don't have these pieces that say the Dodgers. I use the Dodgers as an example because they got star power, they got money, they got prospects. That's the holy trinity right there in baseball. And the Indians have prospects, a la Nolan Jones, who got and who got extended a non-roster invitee uh, to spring training. And then top-pitching prospect, who at least it was for a number of years, Tristan McKenzie, Coming off a back injury, probably will get some innings in Akron and then Triple A in AAA and Columbus, and we might see him in Cleveland. So it's not like they don't have anything else behind Lindor and Ramirez. So I, that's kind of where we're at here with them playing this game of either going ankle deep in water and not going all the way in, or coming out, or like you said, going straight through a fork in the road. I want to shift the focus because I feel I think with the Indians, there's some like frustration behind it. And I think there's some, not animosity, but I think there's some just like head banging on the wall with the Indians, like just figure it out, do something, and I'm sure fans will buy in one way or the other. Brian, I want to shift the focus onto the Toledo Mudhens because we are fully aware that the Tigers have been in rebuild mode since the day they traded away Justin Verlander basically. For a couple of years, it was okay. The Tigers are the bottom of the barrel in the American League. They land the number one pick. Boom, here comes Casey Mize. They draft Matt Manning. He turns out to be pretty solid. Baseball America has caught on to the potential throughout the higher levels of the Detroit Tigers system, and so much so, I didn't know this could have been a thing, but a super team throughout minor league baseball, and Baseball America says that the Mudhens are the number two super team behind the Montgomery Biscuits. First of all, great nickname biscuits Absolutely. and gravy always a great option <laughs> second of all that's the Rays double a affiliate down in alabama so when you look at this super team moniker that they're given why do you think that is
2: i think they have to be assuming that you'll see Mize, manning scooball who's a, a breakout pitcher um lefty who was who really turned heads in double a Erie um last year and he's climbed up a lot of the the prospect charts and, and the prospect rankings um, I think it's mainly because of those three, and, and we're talking about just a really potentially young, exciting rotation that could all be <clears throat> in Toledo kind of at the same time this season.
0: In, in addition to that, too, there's going to be players coming up from area position players. And Isaac Paredes, Sergio Alcantara, uh, looking at a Jose Azucar. There are options that are going to be in this Mudhens lineup that will make it as deep. Potentially some players coming back, too, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We'll probably see De- uh, Daz Cameron again, who was uh, you know a little bit disappointing last last season w- uh, in Toledo, but he's he's still a highly thought of player. Um, Jake Rogers, the great defensive catcher, who struggled mightily when he went up to Detroit, but he should get another chance at Toledo. And then um, Willie Castro, another one who has some potential at um, at shortstop, and we'll likely see in Toledo uh, again this uh, again this season.
0: Willie Castro formerly of the Indians organization too. That's that's a nice little. Connect the dot there under new manager Tom Prince as well, and I want to get both your perspectives on the Mud Hens and the in the Tigers organization bringing Prince in because Doug McAvich they didn't have a sloppy season really last year. I mean they they didn't make the postseason they were under 500, but it wasn't a it wasn't a horrid you know forget about it season by any stretch. So the direction to go with Tom Prince, Brian, you've had interactions with him. What's the vibe around him so far? What are your first impressions around him?
2: I think the general consensus is he's, you know, a solid, just kind of a solid baseball guy. He's a former catcher, um, learned under, actually, um, under Ron Gardenhire. He he caught for Guardi one year in in, uh, Minnesota when he was a veteran catcher. Um, So he's kind of a guy who's been around the game a long time, has the perspective of a catcher who can kind of relate well to some of the young pitching that they, they might have from that catcher's perspective. Um, and he's kind of just a, a solid guy who, who um, should be kind of a steady force with some of the some of the prospects that they will likely see.
0: Those former catchers always turn into some form of like a good coach, whether whether it's bench coach, hitting coach, bullpen coach, manager. You always see that. Briggs, what are your anticipations for the Mud Hens this year now under Prince?
3: I thought the decision to move on from from Doug Mankiewicz was was certainly interesting. It's not rare; it's very rare that you. Sign a manager to a multi-year deal in the minor leagues. Uh, he was Minkiewicz after that great first year when the Mud Hens made the playoffs for the first time in a long time. 2018, they signed him to the multi-year deal, and they fired him after last year. So that was interesting. And I don't, uh, we don't know the full story there. I think Minkiewicz is a little bit of an acquired taste. Kind of got a hard edge. Kind of an old-school baseball man and. Not really a yes man is how I would put it. Maybe maybe in terms of dealing with the the Tigers front office, and maybe he had his own ideas, and, and they just didn't completely mesh. So I guess I understand it from that perspective. But you know, like you said, I I didn't know, you know, looking at the landscape that they would be the number two super team in baseball according to Baseball America. But that rotation that should start the year with Mize, Manning, Scubal, maybe Fayeto, former first round pitcher. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen a, a minor league rotation. That stacked um, in the International League in a while. So that should be really fun, especially Casey Mize, who before he got injured last year was just as electric as anyone in minor league baseball and probably as electric as anyone we've seen in years in minor league baseball. His stuff was that good. I mean, I think his ERA was under one for a while. So I think he'll be really fun. He's the kind of a, the rare worth the price of admission guy coming in here.
0: The International League as well kind of playing on this whole super team, super pitching staff idea, the International League is traditionally a pitcher's league as well. So as, as compared to the Pacific Coast League, the other Triple A league, where it's traditionally a hitter's league. So if that holds true, then, yeah, you have these three coming to Toledo plus Fieto. It could be a really nice season for the Buttheads and it's based on pitching, which is kind of a rarity anymore because you see more more swinging strikes. You see more swings. You see more home runs. You see more base hits nowadays. And um, I, I think that when you look at the, the Mud Mudhens in, in that rotation, then you couple it with the po- possibilities around the lineup. It really could be a nice season. I see where they're coming from there. Um, some storylines to watch throughout Indians and Tigers camp here. I want to kind of break that up because with the Indians, we're obviously looking for, you know, right now the starting pitching with the injuries to see who can maybe come up. But Griggs, is there anything else that you're really keeping an eye on regarding Indians camp?
3: For Indians camp, no. Just, I mean, the big thing, if if they're the front office, or I shouldn't say the front office, if ownership isn't willing to invest, I mean, the really, the big storylines out of camp here are now the, the health of that rotation. I mean, this isn't a rotation that, it has a, it has great depth, but you're counting on Clevenger and Carrasco certainly to be a huge part of that, so just kind of. Uh, this is a franchise with not a ton of margin for error, so they're going to need Clevenger and Carrasco to go here, and, and um, hopefully for their sake, Clevenger to be ready for opening day.
0: It seems like they're teetering on that precipice. Of, right. Of uh, they could win. 80 games, 75 to 80 games, or they could win 85 to 90 games. It's right, like we just don't know.
3: Absolutely, no. It's as big of a variety or big of a variance as you can imagine. Because I mean, they could easily be third place behind Twins and the White Sox, win 78 games, or you know, everything breaks right, they get a couple good rookies coming up and a couple a uh, couple big seasons from some uh, from some guys, and you could easily win 95, 96 games and and take the Twins down. So yeah, it should be fun.
0: There's always the trade deadline too. Never know. Although. At this point, I doubt they sell any sort of top prospect like a Jones or a McKenzie. Brian, what are you looking for in Tigers camp, and maybe relating to that some of that Mud Hens discussion we just had?
2: Yeah, I think a few interesting players, um, Bo Burrows and Kyle Funkhauser, They kind of struggled last year with the Mud Hens, um, so it'll be, in- be interesting to see how they do in-, in camp, and and maybe if they have a maybe a shift to the bullpen suits them well um, rather than you know being starters and especially with Toledo who could have a kind of a loaded rotation. So I think that's, um, one of the things to watch. I know the Tigers have some veteran players they brought in. Um, so maybe not as important to the mud hens, but guys like, um, CJ Krohn and, uh, Jonathan scope, who can kind of add a little bit of a veteran, more of a veteran presence to the Tigers while some of these young players kind of get ready and, and, get their legs under them and the, maybe in the minors a little bit.
0: Their depth chart is something, too. And, I mean, right now it's a little convoluted because it is spring training. You'll see some of the 40-man guys up there. But, like a Christian Stewart out in left fielding, they bring Cameron Mabin back, a veteran. It's just an odd mix right now, that Tigers roster of really young, and I'm not going to say really old, but older.
2: Right. It's almost like they kind of you, you kind of have to have some placeholders while these g- kids are getting you know ready, you know, get some – some veteran signing, some veteran guys in there who can, who can maybe play every day and, and give you some innings and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, like you said, it is a little bit of a, a kind of a weird mix. Um, it should be a big year for Stewart. Mentioning him, just kind of proving what he can do. I know he struggled in the field a lot, and um, he's always flashed the power since he was at Toledo. So that'll be kind of an interesting one to watch as well. To
0: close out the podcast here, I think we need to address the elephant in the baseball room. (laughs) And and we all know the story by now with the Houston Astros and, and what the investigations for Major League Baseball brought out. But the criticism behind not just Rob Manfred with how he's handled the entire scenario, but also with the Houston Astros and their lack of ownership owning the scenario and just how foolish the Astros and even Manfred look throughout this entire thing. It's not really a question of what Manfred could have done or if he could have done more. But I just feel like the Astros, for the crime that was committed, they're not getting the punishment that should be warranted through this whole thing.
3: No, absolutely. I Oh, sorry, I was just banging on a
0: trash
1: can.
3: What's the pitch? Is that for fastball? Is that, that was, for fastball? What's the? Here comes. <laughs> that was that was two seamer high and Okay. The uh, no, absolutely, and yeah, the abs- Astros look like a complete joke in every way from the way they've handled this. I understand from Rob Manfred's perspective why the players themselves weren't suspended. I think getting all the information out there, there is something to be said for that. If 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 they weren't granted the immunity, I don't know if we know any of the story because everybody would—they have – were just hidden behind the union protections, and I mean the players' union in baseball is so strong, and I don't think I don't think we would have known anything, and they wouldn't have had the juice to to punish anybody. That being said, you can punish the organization as a whole. I think you have to at least vacate the title. I'm never I'm never really for that just because you know all the emotions the. What you felt in 2017, if you're an Astros fan, it's still there. I mean, you can't say the season didn't happen. That being said, you know, when you're looking at it 50 years from now, there should at least be an asterisk or, a you know, an empty spot in that thing where people wonder, oh, what happened there? And you would know the story. Now they're just going to kind of go down in history 50, 60 years from now as another team, not one that completely cheated to to get what it got also i would i don't know if they could get away with this with the union but i would have loved to see a postseason ban for the astros this year you're not suspending anybody you're not taking money away why can't you just give them a postseason ban what's the i don't i mean that would be as strong of a punishment as you could do and i don't see what's stopping them
0: i'd extend it further i go three years postseason ban yeah 17 18 19 they essentially robbed a team arbitrary whoever it is that that AL West 2, or the AL Wild Card 3, whatever you want to call it. They robbed one team for three straight years of a postseason bid because they cheated.
3: And they're going to argue that everybody else is cheating too, but there's no evidence of that.
0: No. And let's be clear. Cheating is finding an alternative means that other people don't have to give yourself an advantage. Sign stealing has been a thing in baseball since, like, before David Briggs lived three lives. You know, like, four lives. It's just... It's so privy to me that the Astros are so ignorant to the fact that, yeah, they went out of their way to get their advantage. If if, if a pitcher is tipping their pitch and they're, and they're going to the glove for a longer amount of time when they're gripping their slider, or if they're immediately pulling it down when they're throwing a fastball, that's something that literally a three-year-old in the stands can pick up. But using technology, using outside means, that's the cheating part. And the fact that the Astros are so just like blase about that really insults first of all me as a fan but it also insults the whole game in general and i'm not trying to compare like the pete rose or anything like that because that's apples to oranges but i i just think that they're not getting the punishment for the crime and rob manfred's kind of making a joke out of it in fact he called the commissioner's trophy a piece of metal (laughs) yeah and that's not a good look and he tried to walk that back and it's just a whole mess. And Brian, what are your thoughts on just how either Manfred handled it or the punishment or just what the whole situation is in itself?
2: I think the other thing looking back on it is those those Dodgers teams were so good and they were basically robbed of a of a title in their in their window, you know, of opportunity and it like you said, it, it cost a bunch of teams. I mean the Yankees had some good teams in the you know, in the ALCS and and they were affected by it, so um yeah, I think they they've um owner Jim Crane just his press conference was just ridiculous, um, as it gets when he um when he spoke to the media and they just seem to have kind of a, a tone deaf overall feel for, you know, what they did and, and how it affected, you know, other teams and, and the game of baseball as a whole.
0: You mentioned the that's the phrase I was looking for, tone deaf. That's all it was. I mean it was just a complete mess of a whole of a whole thing. And by the way, Indians fans, that could have been you in seventeen. If the the Indians, who had the best record in the league, didn't lay a fat egg in the ALDS against the Yankees. The other thing that bothered me about Rob Manfred is that he basically said, the public eye is going to punish the Astros enough. Come on. First of all, I think they care. Second of all, it's not our job to punish the Astros. It's it's literally his job to do. It's just, I don't think he handled it right. I think there was way more layers that he could have uncovered and way more that he could have done postseason ban strip the title i get the point you make with players briggs because first of all it becomes a union issue second of all it becomes a guilt by association issue and you're gonna punish all the players in the clubhouse anyway in fact of that matter any 40man roster call-up or any september call-up anybody that as much so much sniffed the major leagues for an injury or whatever it was it, it would open up an entire new can of worms but we could do a whole, like I said, in a whole podcast about this Astros disaster, but I think we'll save some more of that conversation for more of the season because this is this story's far from over, for the fact of that matter. And already in spring training, players are literally feeling beanballs. I think there were six in three games already on Astros hitters, so it's going to be a rough year down in Houston. Uh, before we get out of here, because Phil Kaplan has his suitcase standing by the door. I'm joking.
1: It's You're, my trash. It's my trash can. It's <laughs> kind of a dual threat. <laughs> He's situation. taking a tin suitcase
0: full of papers. Do you think they had hollowed out trash cans, or do you think they just like put stuff in it to like weight it? And if you heard a loud, if you heard a like lower pitch, it was a curveball. A you know,
1: pitch. I, I'm sure if you knew, if we knew all the details, you could be a fly on the wall. I'm sure there were meetings about how they were going to go about it, and I'm sure things were tested and some didn't work and. You know, some were weighted trash cans or whatever. Rubbermaid. The
3: official trash can of the Houston Astros. Well, it was
1: revealed they had, like, spreadsheets of, like, you know, stuff that had had worked and stuff that it didn't, what they were doing. So somebody was collecting that information, and there had to be trial before they got to that stuff that worked.
0: The day that Major League Baseball puts sponsors on the jerseys, the Astros will get Rubbermaid or Starlight or... That would be great. That would be great. Or, like, Home Depot. (laughs) Generic plastic Home Depot trash can. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here, gentlemen, on another episode of Glass City Game Time? Mr. Briggs, Jerry Springer, now for my final thought.
3: I am ready for March Madness after the big Bowling Green win last night over Akron that put them uh, one game up with three to go. And we were just talking, we could have a huge showdown in the first round or in the, uh, I guess, the quarterfinals of the MAC tournament in Cleveland. If Bowling Green is the one seed with the bye straight to Cleveland and Toledo gets the eighth seed, as it looks like they might, if they win that first round game 8-9, it would be Toledo BG in the quarterfinals and how sweet it would be for toledo wow to possibly ruin this magical season for bg and i guess how sweet it would be for for the falcons to uh you know send toledo home packing with their third sh- win of the season in the rivalry so i'm looking forward to march madness and especially locally so
0: yeah that'd be major spoiler if that happened for for toledo's sake at least in the tournament brian any final thought
2: yeah i agree i mean it's a great time of year baseball's on the horizon march madness coming up um It'll be interesting to see how this uh, college basketball season plays out. It's kind of one of the stranger seasons I can remember in a while, just with all the um, kind of the upheaval, the the um, teams you know losing and the, the top when they get in the top ten and all that. And there's no real powerhouse, so it could be a really wide open um, March Madness tournament. So looking forward to that.
0: This is uh, this is heel Corey coming out because I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins hockey fan. Sorry, Red Wings fans. Um, the Pens traded for Jason Zucker and Patrick Marlowe. And now we, I say we, we are the Metropolitan Division favorites, once again, searching for that third cup in five years. And I tell you what, if if they get back, they're gonna win one for Marlowe. Sid the kid ready to go. Gino Zucker win one. Jake Ensel's hurt. I know it it sucks. I wish he was still healthy, but we're coming, I'm telling you. This is heel Corey and it's fine. I could get I can get way crazier, but for the sake of time and for the sake of social media hate, I may get thrown at me. No, I like just it. stop there. <laughs> Phil, you have a final thought before you get out on your vacation?
1: I just, seeing how far the Indians have gotten away from 2016 when they seemed so close is the most disheartening thing to see about that franchise. I mean, it really seemed like... It was a bummer they lost to the Cubs. If the Tribe were going to lose a World Series to anybody, you gotta got to say, okay, well, it's the Cubs. But they seem to have such a good core of young players, and now four years on, just barely trying to hold on. Like you said, they still have these dynamite top players, but nobody else around them to build the team. It's just... There's and players I thought that you
0: like. I thought that like, they
1: were going to really bring it. I was really like in 2016. It seems so close, but so far away at both the same time. So I'm, I'll be pulling for the tribe this year, but kind of knowing that if it's not this year, that <laughs> it's it's a total it's a total rebuild pretty soon. Yeah,
0: but like, there's players that you like. Like, I like Oscar Mercado. I like Bobby Bradley. I like Roberto Perez. I
1: like Clevenger.
0: Yeah, I, I like Mike Clevenger. I like Shane Beaver. But like, I'm... Lindor, Ramirez, Bieber, those are your all-stars this year. Bonafide. Clevenger, fringe because he's injured, never know. And, and Perez, great defensive catcher. But otherwise, it's like, eh, Domingo Santana, eh, he'll hit maybe 25 home runs, but he might also hit 220, so I don't know. But uh, a lot to be seen and played out. Those of you listening in, thank you so much for doing so again. We always appreciate you checking out Glass City Game Time. Please, if you have not done so yet subscribe you can find us on toledoblade.com on blade news slide you can find us on itunes on spotify on google play basically anywhere that podcasts are found just search glass city game time and you will find us if you enjoyed the show please leave a like rating we always appreciate that as well so for david briggs for brian bucky for phil kaplan my name is Corey christen this has been episode 18 of of Glass City Game Time. We can buy tobacco now. How about that? (laughs) We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening.
3: We're legal.